You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. This is the word of the Lord. City. Praise God. Praise God, New City. God. I was glad when they say, let us go into the house of the Lord and let us praise his holy name, for he is worthy of all praise. He is worthy. Yes, he is. Good morning, Rich, I'm bringing you the word of God this morning. Let us pray. Eternal God, I have no Father, we thank you. Right now, Father, I can see that you are seated on the throne, and that I can boldly, we can boldly come before you to find mercy in the time of need, mercy and grace. This morning, Father, I ask that you would help us, Lord, that you would open our eyes this morning, that we would be able to see into your word that you open our ears this morning that we would be able to hear your word. But most of all, Father, open our hearts that we can receive your word and apply it into our lives. God, we thank you for what Jesus has done. We thank you, Father, that he laid down his life, that we can have life and live it more abundantly. God, we thank you for the great sacrifice that Jesus made he say, I lay my life down and I can take it up again. We thank you, Lord, that you have sent him, your only son, into this world to save mankind from sin. We thank you, Father, for the precious blood of Jesus. God, his, the blood is precious like no other blood that can save us, that can redeem us, that can give us life. God, we thank you and we bless your name. Will you bless your redeemed people this morning? Father, because we are redeemed and we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Hear my prayer, Lord, this morning and bless us. Come now, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, church, I really don't like a quiet church. I really don't. I would love to hear amens. And I think what I'm going to do is the message today is we are the redeemed. So I said, let the people of the Lord say so. So I'm going to do something twice, and I want you to say amen behind it. So here we go. Let me see. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you've been redeemed, I want you. Oh, that's so weak. 
We are the redeemed. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. It is a privilege to bring you the word this morning. So please pray for me as I deliver the word of God. Main point this morning is I said that we are the redeemed. And what it means, it means that we have been redeemed, delivered from sin and its consequences by means of a sacrifice offered for the sinner. It is Christ freeing us from the bondage of the law to freedom of a new life. A new life. Here we go. The first letter of Peter addressed to the persecuted Christians living in the far region of Asia Minor. You notice I didn't try to name those cities. I'm not too good with names. They have been dispersed there after the fall of Jerusalem. Peter's letter was to strengthen and encourage the saints. That's what this first, that's what this letter is from Peter. It is to strengthen and encourage the saints because they have been dispersed into foreign lands. It wasn't their home. So in the trials of their faith to prepare them for the future. He reminds them in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21, that they are the redeemed. How is, it, how is this relevant to us today? It's relevant to us today because this world is not my home or not your home. It shouldn't be if you have been redeemed. I got on the back of my trailer a scripture that says, this world is not my home I'm just traveling through. So church, we are the redeemed. How is this relevant to us today? No, we are not facing persecution for our faith. But we are facing a testing of our faith in this world. Why? Because this world is so filled with hopelessness. Look, discouragement is so bad and defeat. Being reminded this morning that we are the redeemed should encourage us that our faith and hope should be in God, not in this world. I believe today there's so much happening around us that we, are, we have become distracted as Christians or as the redeemed. We kind of sink back into ourselves when God say, love one another, care for one another, pray for one another. Come together and worship me and praise me and give God glory and honor. So we're kind of like shrinking back and not living as God really wants us to live. Being reminded this morning that we are the redeemed should encourage us, though, that our faith and hope should be in God and not in the world. But how often do we think of the great sacrifice that was given for our redemption? How often do we think about that? Today, we'll be looking at 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21. Peter here is reminding us that we are the redeemed and what it costs for our freedom and that our lives should be honorable and pleasing to God. Here we go. He reminds us of three things. He reminds us of what we was freed from. Do you actually know what he was freed from? Do you actually know what all the details of that? And then he reminds us of what we were freed with. What did it cost to give you freedom 
And the third one is who we were freed by. Who freed you? Where does this guy come from? First one. It says, for you know that you was ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Listen. Futile ways, we'll talk about it last week. It's vain. It's a vain life. It's a worthless life. It don't count for anything. So what does a worthless life look like? First thing, Peter starts off by reminding these Christians that they have been redeemed from the old life they, that they had inherited from their forefathers. A life that was worthless and vain. Will spoke of this kind of life last week, and this is not the kind of life they should be living even though they have been dispersed from their homes in a foreign land. Peter tells them in verse 14, and 15 above us. Let's look at that. It says, Peter says, as disobedient, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. This is Peter talking to the redeemed, just as he's talking to us today. I don't know about you. <laughs> I really don't know about you, but I could not wait. Well, it's not 21 anymore. I'm sorry. Sorry to say that. But in my day, you wasn't a man until you turned 21. But now I believe it's, is it 18? Is it 18 you can sit on your own? You can go out on your own and do your own thing? Is that true? Okay, 18. But you know, in the last five years, you probably haven't paid any attention to it. In the last five years, you know what the new number is? Where people start having relationships and they boldly post it? 13. You didn't know that, did you? So we're slipping further and further into sin. It's not meant freedom for me. Freedom to do what I want. Freedom to go wherever I want to go. The freedom to make my own choices of life, doing my own thing. How many of you thought about that when you was turning 21 or 18? Said, man, I don't have to listen to dad anymore. Man, I don't have to listen to mom anymore. I can do my own thing. I can make my own choices. Sometimes when me and my wife is at home and I be keeping all this noise and singing and whistling, and she said, can't you be quiet? And I look at it and say, you know how long I waited to do this? <laughs> do you know how long I waited so I can do my own thing and not to be told, be quiet? And here you go saying, be quiet. But soon I found out that this new freedom that I had found is not freedom at all. It's not really freedom. But you think it's freedom. Before I knew it, I had made a mess of my life just like the prodigal son in the book of Luke. What I didn't know, that I was born with a sinful that, that you and I had inherited. We inherited a sinful nature. We didn't inherit the sin, but we inherit the nation, the nature. Now, in Romans 5.12, 
and you can turn to that, tells us this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world, led to all men because that all sin. This is the inherited way of life that we have inherited. When Adam sinned, he immediately died spiritually. His relationship with God was broken, and he also began the process of dying physically. From that point on, every person born inherited Adam's sinful nature and suffered the same consequences of spiritual and physical death. We are born physically alive, but spiritually dead. Everyone that is born into the world is born physically alive, but they are spiritually dead. I had to learn that a long time ago when I was raising my kids. And when they all grew up, even had two or three wanted to be preachers. But when they all grew up, they didn't want to have anything to do with church. They kind of left, left away from it. It's because you must be born again because you were spiritually dead. This is why Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again. Let's take a glimpse of a funeral life in Ephesians 2, 1 and 3 through 3. It says, and you were dead in trespasses and sin in where you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once live in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is a worthless life. It was you and me before Christ redeemed us. But God did not leave us there, for we are freed from a worthless life because Christ, in Christ, he gives us a new life. Romans 19 said, For as by one man disobedience, the, uh, the many were made sinners. Listen, here's where the, the good news is. So that by one man obedience, the many will be made. He is a new creature. The old has passed away and see the new has come. If you have been born again, the worthless life has passed away. And the new life in Christ is here to stay. Paul knew that what it is like to deal with his sinful nature. Even Paul knew, the great apostle knew how it was to deal with his sinful nature. He says in Romans 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you struggling today? Are you having trouble living this life? Could it be that you are worn with your flesh, which is the sinful nature that you was born with? That you are worn with the spirit and the flesh. They are worn against one another. Think about that. Think about that. So Paul knew what it was like to deal with his sin sinful nature. So here we go, and he says again, he says in Galatians 2, in me, 
and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, I found myself in the past two or three months praying that same prayer, praying that prayer. God, I thank you for the life that you have given me. I thank you, Lord, that I live now by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. You need to preach to yourself every now and then to make sure you stand on the right track. You need to tell yourself, like I say, if I say that we are the redeemed, say amen, agree to it. We have to say it and get behind me. You have to put the flesh to death. You have to mortify sin, put sin away from you. You are not free from sinning, but God has set you free by his blood. If we sin, he's given us a way out to repent of our sins and to ask forgiveness. Ephesians 2, 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. Peter don't want us to look back to that worthless life that we used to live. That's why he tells us in verse 17, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. And then he goes on right into verse 18. After he says that, he says 18, for you know that you were ransomed from the fruit ways inherited from your forefathers. Church this morning, we have been freed from a worthless life to a new life in Christ Jesus. Say praise the Lord. What were we freed with? Verse 19. It says, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. See, you cannot be ransomed with perishable things. Listen to me carefully. What Peter is saying, the soul of the sinner, you and I, cannot be ransomed by earthly commodities like silver or gold. You know why? Because your soul is eternal. It belongs to God. It cannot be purchased with earthly goods. Big man, he breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Your soul is the most valuable thing that you possess this morning. Now, you thought your bank account was, didn't you? You thought your house was, maybe your car. From time to time, I think my RV is. But it's not. There's nothing that could ransom your soul but the blood of Christ. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the creature is in the blood, and I have appointed it to you to make atonements on the altar for your lives, since it is the lifeblood that makes atonement. The problem with a creature blood atonement was it had to be repeated year after year, which could not take away 
man's sin. This is the Leviticus system. Hebrews 10.11 says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sin. Animal sacrifice could never take away sin. So they had to repeat it year after year, animal after animal. But when Christ died, when Christ shed his blood, when Christ sacrificed himself, when he laid his life down, And then he rose, he rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he said, I cannot stay. I must go back to my father from which I came. And the blood that he shed, instead of the priest going to the Holy of Holies and offering it against the altar, the blood that, the animal blood was perishable. Even the animal itself was perishable. Gold and silver is perishable. But Christ's blood is eternal. So he took it back to heaven and he offered it to the Father. This is, this is my blood that I shed. That I may save them from their sins. This is the reason I came into the world. This is the reason I was born in the flesh. So that I could represent mankind. So man can come from earth to heaven. Jesus is there representing me and you because he became flesh. And he shed his eternal blood to save us forevermore. Listen this morning. This morning we have to realize that. But when Christ offered a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. And read in verse 19 again, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, like that of an unblemished lamb. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to be baptized, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Hebrews 9:12 says, He entered once into all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption, a redemption that cannot be taken away, a redemption that don't have to be repeated every year once and for Lord. There is an old hymn that, that says, the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it would never lose its power. It reaches to the highest mountains and it flows to the lowest valley. All oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it would never, never lose its power. It soothes my doubts and it calms my fears and it dries all my tears. But the blood 
that was shed for me will never, never lose its power. We have been freed by the blood of Christ. But who were we freed by? Who were we freed by? He was, um, yes, who was he freed by? Lord have mercy. Thank you, Lord. Listen. Jesus was predetermined. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. It was not a last-minute thought. Jesus has always existed before the beginning of time with the Father. In Genesis, the creation, John's gospel confirms it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Christ was a co-creator, as Paul writes, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, whether visible or invisible, for him. Colossians 1.16. There are many prophecies concerning Christ throughout the Old Testament. Furthermore, were we not chosen in him before the foundations of the world? Doesn't that seem rather strange to you? That we was chosen? Ephesians 1.4 said, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Yes, he was foreknown before the foundations of the world. He was incarnate, verse 20. But he was revealed in these last times. Even though Jesus was Destined for eternity, he was manifested at the end of time for our sake. God waited until things were just right to send his son into the world. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Galatians 4.4. Jesus left the Father's side, the union that they had with each other. He put aside his glory and majesty and put on flesh. In John 1.14, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Philippians 2, 6-7, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus was manifested for our sake. Jesus came to the world just for you. Had you been the only person on this planet, God would have sent Jesus to die for you. This is what grabbed my heart when I was unsaved. And this guy was telling me that. He gave me the scripture. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and who believes he looked at me right in my eyes. He said, but Miss Cooper, you don't realize this. He sent his son into the world that he may save the world, but he also saved you. Personally, he saved you. If you had been the only person, this is what he said. He said, if you would have been the only person, he would have sent his son to save you. If you would truly grasp what is taught in this passage, our lives would never, ever be the same. How can we live however we want, even as Christians? 
Sometimes we think we can live however we want. You know? We don't have to do this. We don't have to do that. I'm saved by grace. But how can you listen to that passage and then live however you want when Jesus came and died to redeem us from our sins? Then he was glorified, verse 21. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Jesus returned to that position of glory which he had with the Father before the world began. Philippians 2.8 said, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedience to the point of death. That's something we can't do, can we? Even as Christians, we're not, we're not that obedient. But Jesus was. He was obedience, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And then he follows that up and says, therefore, because of that, because he's been glorified and lifted up. Everybody's under this Jesus now, except God himself. Because he have all power, heaven and earth in his hand. He said, therefore, we do not have a high priest. This is what I can't understand sometimes. Who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus was a man, just like me and you. He didn't have some kind of special flesh. (laughs) He was born of a woman, so he had the same flesh that we had. But he said, but one who has been tempted in all things that we are, yet without sin. This is what sealed our redemption. He was without sin. Let us then, knowing that, let us then with confidence Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. When you sin, and don't tell me you don't sin, but when you sin, do you go immediately to the throne of grace? Or do you shy from it? Do you go and cry out to God and say, God, I have sinned? No shame, no guilt. Because we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Do you understand that? That we have such a privilege as the redeemed. You're not going to disappoint God because you come to the throne of grace and say, God, I've sinned. You're You're not going to disappoint Jesus. He's waiting for you and me to do that. This is why he told us that if we sin, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You got this constant cleansing because he's there <laughs> at the right hand of God. He's our representative. He's one of us. Therefore, he can represent you and he can be your advocate. Listen, church. Oh, man. 
Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may find mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This should give us all the confidence and encouragement that we need to put our faith and hope. Believers in God. Did you know that? Because of Christ, we are believers in God. And God is who raised Christ from the dead. And gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. The purpose of our redemption in verse 21. So that your faith and hope are in God. So that we trust God for the past and the present. That is where we express our faith in the past. That we are freed for the inherited sin. That sin for nature. And the present. That we can live as the redeemed before the Lord. This is, this is how we express our faith. So that we trust God for the future. That is where we rest our hope. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in heaven. So that's where we can rest our hope. Therefore, our faith is in what God the Father has done through Jesus Christ. That's our faith. And our hope is in what God has promised to do in the future for those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. God redeemed us that we might live in this present world, but not put our hope in this present world, but rather in heaven. We are the redeemed. We have been freed from a feudal life and we have been freed with his blood. And we have been freed by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. This morning, I want to ask you a question. Are you washed? The garment that is stained with sin, have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? As the band comes up, I'll close in prayer. If you have not been washed in the blood, you can come and talk to one of the pastors. If you have not been washed in, in the blood of the lamb, you can always do that. Jesus' arms is always open. And he say, come. Come receive the redemption that I have made for you. Come and receive salvation. Come and be freed from sin and the old nature. Come, come unto me, all ye who are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Heavenly Father, my Lord and my God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you, Lord, that you have rescued us from that inherited way of life, that worthless life, that vain life that we once lived. Oh Lord, even some people still say that they're living their best life. But Lord, how can we live our best life here on earth when it is so full of destruction? There's murdering on, on, on every hand. Lord, where there's diseases, floods, 
and fires. How can we say that we are living our best life? Our best life is to be lived is in heaven. As we are traveling through this world, deemed of the Lord. And Lord, from time to time, you want us to say so. You don't want us to be quiet, but you want us to say so. That we are redeemed. So God is praying that we would be reminded of that and that it has sunk into our hearts and that we will live our best lives for God. That we would be his ambassador and his representative here on earth. That Lord, we will fail not to praise you and we will fail not to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.